Chapter 12 Why are you upsetting my class? The great crow boomed. Talk of magpies is very distressing, especially for school children. I'm sorry, James said. I was looking for the crow in charge. Well, you're in the wrong place. You need to speak to the council. They are convening on the 12th. James didn't want to wait until the 12th of January. That would be too late. I can't wait that long. Can't I speak to them sooner? What, boy? The crow shook its head. I said they're convening. Right now. On the fairway of the twelfth hole. Oh, James said. Thanks. Now, would you please leave my class alone? They're hard enough work for me without distractions. And get that human out of our library. James wasn't sure what the great crow meant. But then he turned and saw that Wilf had climbed the tree and was swaying in one of the high branches waving at him. James shook his head and thanked the crow again, before quickly herding the other children out of the clearing. None of the children knew where the twelfth hole was. Wilf was fairly sure that each hole was marked with a number on a wooden post. So they all made their way back past the dewpond toward the hill fort. They came to a well-trimmed fairway, and walked downhill along the edge to the tee. This is the eleventh, Laurie said, running ahead of them. The twelfth should be the next after this, James said. If we walk back up the hill to the hole, we'll be close. Are we just going to chase crows around golf courses all day? Queenie asked, because I'm getting bored of it. If we can't find the Council of Crows soon, we can give up and go home, James said. I'm beginning to think that there was a good reason the king under the fort didn't suggest talking to these birds. They trekked back up the hill and found the flag marking the eleventh hole. There was a path that led from the putting green back toward the hill fort through some yellow-buried gorse bushes. On the other side was the tee for the twelfth hole. They stood and looked down the fairway, or more accurately, up the fairway. It sloped up a hill, and at the far end, near the hole, were five low, crooked trees, or perhaps they were tall bushes with no leaves. Regardless, above them there were crows circling in the sky. It only took a couple of minutes to reach the crooked trees. While they were walking, the circling birds landed one by one, taking up places on each tree. When they were closer, James noticed that the trees were filling up in order, from the lowest perches to the highest but only four of the trees were being used. By the time the children had reached the trees, all but one of the birds had landed. The last bird to land took its place on the empty tree. It was the highest perch, and it was clear that the bird was in charge. Before James could speak, the last bird to land turned to the children. This is a private meeting, it said in a deep, cawing voice. Crows only... I'm sorry, James said. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You didn't interrupt, the bird said. We haven't started yet. Does the council know of the magpie's plan to steal the Stone of Brighthelm? James said quickly, not sure of how long the birds would tolerate the gang's presence. The council of crows squawked at each other for a few seconds. Order, the bird in charge shouted. Directors, have you heard of this plan? Chairman! I have not heard of it, one crow perched near the chairman said. I don't believe the magpies have the cunning nor the skill to pull off such a feat. 
Other crows squawked in agreement. Nigel, the chairman said, you've investigated the twin elms. Any link between the latest damage and the magpies? All the crows turned to a smaller bird sitting on one of the lower branches. Well, I have looked into this matter, the crow called Nigel began, and I don't see how the magpies could have damaged the sentinelms. But, Chairman, there is possibly a link between the damage to the tree and a plan to steal the stone. I can't rule out that the magpies are involved in such a plan. The Chairman paused, digesting Nigel's words. Then he turned back to James, black eyes staring coldly. "'Why are you telling us this?' the chairman asked. "'Because the magpies want to use the stone to take the high ground from the crows. They want the crows off the tower on the seafront.' "'Of course they do,' the chairman said. "'They can't stand that we're winning all over the city. I can see that the magpies taking the stone of Brighthelm would be a bad thing. But what do you want me to do about it?' Well, if you left the I-360, then the magpies wouldn't need to steal the stone. Or perhaps you could share the tower with them? As James spoke, he knew that the words would not be received well. More squawking and cawing erupted, until a huge bird, on a medium-level perch, flapped its wings twice and said, Give up the seafront! We work hard to gain that crow's nest, and we should give it up because the moronic magpies might steal a powerful stone. What if they don't steal it? We'd be giving our position away for free. Even more cawing followed, accompanied by shrieking and screaming and birds flapping their wings and stamping their feet. Order! The chairman's voice boomed. I will have order. This is a council, not a free-for-all. It turned to James. You see how we think. I don't need to tell you what my decision is. How can we give up a powerful advantage to a tiny chance that a magpie might steal the stone of Brighthelm? What would you do in my position? I would, James faltered. I'd be very worried about the stone being stolen, because if it is, then it won't just be the crows in town that suffer. You might be right, the chairman said. But then again, you might not. I will not give up the crow's nest, the I-360 as you call it. But I will be worrying about what'll happen if those malevolent magpies get the stone. You can be assured of that. Good day. But, James began, I said good day, the chairman snapped. James wanted to say something else, but Laurie was pulling at his coat. He sighed, and the four children left the Council of Crows and made their way back up to the hillfort. Well, that was a waste of time, Queenie said. Yes, James agreed. I guess we just have to hope that the magpies and the fox's plan doesn't work. Or maybe, once the magpies have stolen the stone of Brighthelm, Wilf said, the crows might change their minds. They might, James nodded, but if the stone is as powerful as the king under the fort said it is, then that might be too late. It was well past lunchtime, and everyone was starving. As Wilf, Laurie and Queenie lived fairly close, they all went back to their house for something to eat. Queenie's mum was in, and made them all ham and cheese toasties to warm them up. They sat around the dining table, talking about what to do next. One thing's for sure, James said. I don't want to meet Chimera alone. She's scary. Nothing like the normal foxes that want nothing to do with humans. We need something to keep them away, Queenie said. Something they can't stand. Hot sauce, Laurie said. Tabasco. 
Dad puts it on everything. I can't stand it. You're not a fox, Laurie, Wilf said. Though, maybe your brain is only as big as a fox's. Queenie's mum came to check on them. Everything okay, she said. Yes, mum, Queenie said. Aunt Rachel, Wilf said. What does Grandad do to keep foxes away from his chickens? Hmm, she thought. He doesn't have a problem with them any more, but he used to stuff hot peppers into the fence. The foxes hated hot, spicy food. She went out of the room. Queenie, Wilf and James all stared at Laurie. Told you, he said. Hot sauce. Wilf got down from the table and opened a cupboard. Inside were three huge bottles of Tabasco. He pulled one out and put it in the middle of the table. They all talked about how to weaponize the sauce. In water pistols? Sprinkled on sticks? They agreed to all try and work out a way they could use it to make sure that Chimera's rovers didn't get too close. It felt good, like they were making progress. They didn't know how the magpies and fox rovers were going to steal the stone, but if the children could, they'd be ready to stop them. James went home feeling a little better. He spent the rest of the evening working on the last two cryptograms. He cracked the fourth and was sure he'd work out the fifth one soon. He'd have to find a way to get to the puzzle sheet. Jenny's picture only had the first five. If he could get his hands on the last five, he was sure he could decipher them all and win the trip to the museum.